John chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, not as uh, not coming when no one can work. When I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You have somewhere else to be. I'm just going to say this, and it's uh, really not part of the sermon. But I was thinking as Brother Kyle was uh, giving those such great thoughts this morning, that I saw an, a headline that said that there were some who were waiting in that line to pay their respects to the Queen for 22 hours. 22 hours they were standing in a line. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he said, I looked at an aerial view of the line, and I did a little math, and he said, I realized that that line stretched for five miles. Now, you just think about that. Five miles. You could leave this church building and drive a ways and get five miles. You think about a line of people waiting to pay their respects to someone who's gone, not even there, and I'm not saying that it's, it's not good. I'm not saying that it's wrong for them to do so. I, I would appreciate, you know, that, that they appreciate what, what maybe the queen did, and they wanted to pay their respects. But listen, that's a long time to stand in a line, 22 hours. I think I've stood in a line once, maybe three. Maybe I stood in line for three hours once to ride a roller coaster. <laughs> that's crazy, right? I mean, that's just... What's wrong with people? I did it, you've done it, maybe. Uh, That's a long time to stand in a line, but for 22 hours. And I'm just asking, do we not have an hour? Is there not an hour that we can spare? I I just kind of dread the fact that we've become so consumed with time and limits of time. And, uh, well, I'm not even preaching yet, but listen, that's a long time to stand in a line. Do we not have time to give to God to worship today? We've got all the time he needs, and this is a great time for us to be together, and I'm just so glad you're all here. It's just such a good time for us to be together. Chad, if you will, go ahead and put the slide up. I am the light of the world. Ryder read that for us a moment ago from John chapter 9. I want you to think about a contrast this morning that is literally as old as time. A contrast that is literally as old as time. If you go back to the beginning, the Bible tells us, beginning in Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it tells us about this earth. In verse number 2, it says that the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light, and... There was light. The Bible goes on to say that God saw the light and it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and the light He called day and the darkness He called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. This is a contrast that literally is as old as time because time as we know it began right there. There were no days before day one. There were no minutes or hours. There were no days or weeks or months or years or decades or centuries, and you keep going. There was nothing until day one. 
when God said, let there be light. And he divided the light from the darkness. It is amazing, therefore, that God would continue to use this great contrast as old as time as you continue through the Bible. And I would remind you that it was light that was created first, and then there came to be life. Life came following light on the earth. You continue through Genesis chapter 1, and you know that's true. You know that after light is made, and then day 2, He makes the sun and the moon and the stars to rule over the day and to rule over the night that He made on day 1. And then it's not until day 6 that you get to man. It's not until you get to day 3 that you get to anything alive. Day 3, God is going to make vegetation. The trees and the grass and the flowers and and all of the vegetation, what we would say is alive, it doesn't come until day three. You have to have light before there is life. Then there is day six where God makes man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. By further way of explanation, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, God took from the dust of the ground and He breathed, he formed a man and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. And I'm just telling you that life comes following light. What I want to do this morning is pretty simple. I am the light of the world. The I am statement of Jesus. You've heard it, you've studied it, you've gone through it yourself. I want to do something very simple today. I want to go to the book of John. And in the book of John, I want to look at five contexts, especially dealing with Jesus and light. And I want you to think about lessons that we learn from each of these various contexts through the book of John. Because it seems that John especially focuses on Jesus and light. And it's very fascinating to me. And I hope it will be for you as well. I hope this will help us to see Jesus for who He truly is as the light of the world. John makes reference to Jesus and His connection to light at least 24 times. That's more than one reference per chapter. And I want you to think about five of these contexts, contexts especially with me now. John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the, underline it, true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. John says, uh, this John the Baptist, he wasn't the light. He was sent to bear witness of the light. But that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. What I want you to notice first, friends, is that true light provides true life. That's the connection that John wants us to see in this context, right? If you want true life, then you better associate and find yourself with the true light because that is where you're going to find it. John says, in the beginning was the Word. You hear in the beginning and your mind goes where? Genesis chapter 1, where we just were. 
Guess what? That's true with the readers of John's gospel account as well. Their minds are going to go back to the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 3, all things were made by Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. Let me tell you something. You're not going to have true life until you find the true light. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15, the Bible tells us that the blood of the cross flowed in both directions. He is the mediator of a better covenant. His blood is able to forgive those under the first covenant. And His blood is able to save all who are called now. And so His blood saved those from the past, it saves in the present, and it will save forever as long as this world continues. You must be covered in that blood if you want life. The light of the world provides true life. In John chapter 1 and verse 5, I just want to point this out before we move to our next. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. If you miss it, you're going to miss it. Understand that in John chapter 1 and verse 5, there is tremendous victory that John points out in that one single verse. Darkness tried to overcome the light, but light would not, could not be overcome. Darkness tried to get Jesus. They tried to put out the light. They tried to overcome. And Jesus came and He took on the light. He took on the darkness as the light. And He overcame the darkness. Don't miss the victory. In John chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus was not going to be denied and He wasn't. Darkness tried to overcome, but it would not, could not be taken down. If I want true life, I must find true light. I must find Jesus. And here's number two. Go to John chapter 3. Kyle mentioned this uh, just for a moment in his thoughts again earlier, just, just earlier with Nicodemus. Verse number 1 of John chapter 3 tells us that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and he came to Jesus when? Night. Now listen, we're talking about darkness and light here. And isn't it interesting that Jesus is going to bring in this light into the conversation, but they're in the dark. It's at night when Nicodemus shows up, but Jesus has a lot to say about light even in the dark. All right, so John chapter 3 and verse 16, after talking about this new birth, after talking about one must be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse number 5, born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, Jesus says, that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. 
I am the light of the world. I have come. I have been sent to rescue. I have been sent to save. I've been sent not to condemn, but to save, Jesus says. The sad reality is, Jesus says men love darkness rather than light. Men love darkness rather than light. They don't want the light to come and expose their sin. They want to participate and practice in what they want to do. Jesus here, I think, is speaking of purity. Light, He says, would stand for everything that is pure. That which is physically pure. That which is morally pure. That which is ethically pure. The character, who you are inside of you, your ethics. He's saying... Light stands for all that is pure. Light stands for all that is spiritually pure. I have come, and those who love the light, they come to the light. They strive for purity. They want to be right. They want to be pure. They want to be in Jesus and saved. Darkness is opposed to all that is pure. Darkness stands in opposition to all that is pure. Therefore, why would we be surprised when people mock purity? Why would we be surprised when people who want nothing to do with Jesus would mock what what we might strive to do that is pure? Why would they ridicule? Why would they hate? Why would they want to put to death that which is impure because they hate it? Don't be surprised at it. Jesus states it so clearly here. Everyone practicing evil, they hate the light. They don't want to come to the light. I want to ask myself, Am I a lover of darkness or a lover of light? You see, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and I need to see Him as such. I need to come to Him, and I want to strive to follow Him in purity. Nicodemus, it's dark, but I've got a lot to say about light. Come to the light. Don't participate in that which is impure. Now, here's a third. I told you there were five. Here's number three. In John chapter 8, you say, Adam, I haven't even seen it yet. I, I, mean, I heard right or read it a moment ago, but I haven't even seen it yet. I am the light of the world. It's not there in John chapter 1, and it's not there in John chapter 3. And yet, isn't it? Well, here it is. John chapter 8. Here's the whole context in verse number 1. Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives, John says. Now early, mark it. Some translations, very early. Early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, John says, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I smile when I read that. I smile when I think about Jesus turning around and just writing in the ground. I'm not giving you a moment. I'm not going to uh, give you the satisfaction here. Uh, I'm going to let you sort this out. And they did. In verse number 9, 
Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You remember that? You remember that event in the life of Jesus? You're not the first time you've heard about that, probably. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. You've heard about this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and they bring her to Jesus and Jesus stoops down and writes on the ground and you know, he says, hey, if you've got sin, you go ahead and throw, if you're without sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And everybody walked away and the woman was there. You remember all that? Have you connected that to I am the light of the world? Did you make that connection in your mind before? Have you thought about the context where Jesus says, I am the light of the world? Have you thought about the time of day when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? That it was very early in the morning and they bring to Jesus a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery? Have you ever asked yourself, I wonder what time of day it was that she was caught in the very act of adultery? Well, you could say the Bible doesn't say and you'd be right. But let's just use a little reasoning. And let's remember that it's very early in the morning and they bring her to Jesus very early in the morning having caught her in the very act of adultery. When do you suppose she was in the very act of adultery? At night. In the dark. When do things like that generally take place? In secret. In the dark. Men love darkness rather than light. They don't come to the light lest their deeds should be exposed. Generally, it happens in the dark. Generally, those things happen in secret. And I suppose this woman and the one she was with, they didn't want to be caught. But they were. And I want you to know that those people, those Pharisees, those scribes, those rulers of the Jews that brought that woman to Jesus, I'm telling you, they had no intention of following the law. Their motive had nothing to do with Moses. Their motive had nothing to do with with, uh, following the commands that had been handed down. They just wanted to catch Jesus. That's what John says. They were testing Him in verse number 6. They were testing Jesus. That's all they were interested in doing. They didn't care a whit about the law of Moses or obeying it. If they cared about the law of Moses, they wouldn't have brought just her, right? They would have brought both. That's what the law commanded. The law didn't command that you stone her. The law commanded you stone them both. Deuteronomy chapter 22. They didn't care about the law. That was not their motive. What they were trying to do was catch Jesus in the the middle. On the one hand, if he says, yeah, she's actually deserving of death, go ahead and stone her. In fact, give me the first rock. I'll throw it first. If he did that, then he he has really upset the Romans because the Romans wouldn't allow it. That's why the Romans had to crucify Jesus, because the Jews couldn't do it. And so if he had stoned the woman right there, he's got Rome really upset, and the Jews win. If he says, no, don't do that, then he's going to 
disobey the law of Moses in their mind. And so uh, they've got the Jews all upset. So either way, Romans are upset or Jews are upset. Somebody's upset and Jesus is going to go down. That's all their motive was that day. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know as well as I, there was only one without sin in the midst of all of those people that day. There's only one, and he didn't throw a stone. And he wasn't saying that I am condoning your actions, ma'am. I'm condoning adultery. Go ahead and, and just do that as much as you want, and I'm okay with it. He didn't say that. What he said was, I'm not going to judiciously stand opposed to you. I'm not going to press for your death. I am the light of the world. Following me, you shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Listen to me. Those Jews who supposedly, those religious people who are out there supposedly looking out for you, he said they're leading you astray. I am the light of the world. You follow me. I am the way. I'm just telling you, friends, what you must know. And that is, I am not, I am not the one that you need to be following. I am not the one. Brother Lynn, Brother Terry, Brother Mike, whoever else, they are not the one. You follow Jesus. He's the only way to get home. He's the only way. Here's the context that Ryder read for us a moment ago. This is number four. (laughs) I just ah, love this. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Isn't it amazing? Have you made the connection? I am the light of the world to the woman caught in adultery and to the crowd that were interrupted that day. He turns around and he says, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you shall not walk in darkness but have life. And now in chapter 9, I am the light of the world spoken in the context of healing a man who was born blind. What do we know? That man was in darkness. Darkness was all that man had ever known. Jesus comes and opens his eyes. (laughs) I am the light of the world. I just think it's amazing the, the context that we find these expressions and what Jesus is using to illustrate himself as the light of darkness. A man that only knew darkness, Jesus opens his eyes. I just want to ask you a question. Well, just go on with me in verse 6. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. And others said, Well, he's like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How are your eyes opened? 
And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. I'm just saying, if you were the beggar, you're the blind beggar, you're sitting there, you've been blind your entire life, a man comes along, spits on the ground, puts clay on your eyes and says, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam and you'll see. What are you going to do? Sir, <laughs> sir, that's crazy. Get your spit off my face. I don't want your spit on my face. Get that mud away from me. I don't, I don't want that. Dude. Get, that off, get that off of my face. The pool of Siloam? I don't think so. I'll go somewhere else and wash. What are you going to do? You see, on the screen, I have that. If we see Jesus as the light of the world... I'm saying that if you were born blind and you've been blind for your entire life and someone comes along and says, I can help you receive your sight, you're going to see and do whatever He tells you to do. Jesus was necessary for Him to see. I don't want to be blind to the necessity that I have for Jesus. I must have Jesus. I need Him. I need Him to wash me. I need Him in order to be clean. I must see Him as the light of the world. I must do whatever He tells me to do. I cannot miss this. I am the light of the world. Here's the last one. In John chapter 12. Hang with me and see it. You remember, right, that, that in chapter 13, Jesus is going to wash dirty feet in the upper room. And he's going to be in the upper room, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And then he's going to be crucified beginning in chapter 18. So what that tells us is that John chapter 12 is this transition right before he goes into the upper room with his disciples, right before he's going to die on the cross the next day. This is a transition right here. These are some of the very last words that Jesus is going to speak to anyone outside of the apostles. What's He going to say? This is what He's going to say. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up to the earth, will draw all peoples to Myself. This He said, signifying by what death He would die. And the people answered Him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become what? Sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Will you turn the page? I don't have this on the screen, but will you go down with me in that same context? In verse number 44, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Light, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. You must hear my words. In John chapter 12, in verse 48, Jesus says, If you have my word, you have that which judges you. My word will judge you in the end. 
as the light of the world, I must see that Jesus has come to provide me with a relationship. Don't miss it. There's this progression that Jesus makes there in verse 35 and 36. Listen to me. You've got to walk in the light. You've got to pursue the light. You've got to believe in the light so that you can be sons of the light. Jesus has come to provide you with a relationship with God. I am the light of the world. I have come to bring you out of darkness into light. I have come to bring you out of darkness into a relationship with God. I am the light of the world. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus the light of my world? Is He the light of your world? Jesus says, I've come to show you what true life is really like. I've come to show you how to be pure. I've come to show you the way. I have come to show you the necessity of being in the light. I have come so that you can have a relationship with God. You, though in sin, can be delivered from your Self to be with God. Listen to me. As I conclude, I'm asking you the question. I wonder, how do I know if Jesus is the light of my life? How do I know if Jesus is the light of my life? How much do you love him? I mean it. I could ask you a lot of questions about love. Who you love. Who do you love the most in your life? There's a sense in which that's not difficult to answer. Right? I love my wife. So much. And our boys. So much. And I love so many things about my life, as you love so many things about yours. But I'm telling you that I I am easily distracted. (laughs) It frustrates me how easily distracted I can be. It, It frustrates me. It frustrates me how much I can enjoy doing things that are wrong. It frustrates me how... How much I can get pleasure out of dark things. And I wonder, is He really the light of my world? Is He really the light of my world? Because I suppose that I haven't told you anything that you haven't given thought to. I don't suppose that I've told you anything that you don't know. That Jesus is true life. That Jesus is true pictures of purity. That Jesus really is the way. That you really do need Jesus in order to be saved. That you really need Jesus in order to be in a relationship with God. I don't suppose I've told you anything that you don't know. And there have been portions of this sermon where you might have blacked out for a minute. You've said, I've heard that. I've read that. I know that. 
But when this hits home, it's right here. Is He the light of my world? Really? Is He? Do I really think about the fact that He has rescued me? Do I really think about what Paul said to Christians in Colossians chapter 1? In Colossians chapter 1, where Paul says so plainly, He has delivered us, rescued us from the power of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption of sins through His blood. Forgiveness. How big is my love for Him, really? How much do I praise Him? I wonder, how much in my life do I spend time praising Jesus? This is the last verse that I'm going to give you today. And I just want you to think about it with me, okay? I just want you to think. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 9, to Christians, Peter says, You are a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're His own special people, that you may what? that you may proclaim the praises of Him who did what? Who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. You were in darkness, now you're in light. I am the light of the world. Is the light of the world the light of your world? What I think is so great is that the light of the world came to provide us a home where there is no darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth. Darkness was on the face of the earth. God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. Spiritually, Jesus says, I came into a world of darkness. I came into a world where there was nothing but people following the devil. I came to deliver that. I came to save. And ultimately, I've come to provide a home where there is no darkness. The Lamb is its light. There is no sun because the Lamb is its light. There is no night there. There is no darkness. I want to go there, don't you? I don't know much, but I want to go to heaven. I know I want to go to heaven. I can't miss it. I can't let anything distract me from my love for Jesus, for what He's come and done for me, for the home that He's gone to prepare for me, that I might be there too. I am the light of the world. Is He really the light of your world? This morning, as a Christian, you say, you know what? He was. But I'm just not living right. I'm just not doing right. I'm actually finding a lot more pleasure right now walking in darkness. I'm actually uh, enjoying it. I've been enjoying it, but I'm ready to change that today. I'm ready to come back, and I, I want to be forgiven, and I just want to walk with Him. Praise God for that. We want to help you any way that we can. If you're not a Christian today, my friend, He is the light of the world. 
He's come to provide the path. He's come to do everything He can do. He has in order for you to be saved. Now it's your chance to respond to Him. Will you let Him be the light of your world? Are you ready to submit yourself to Him today in obedience, believing Him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, a willingness to confess Him and your faith in Him as the Son of God? Are you ready this morning to repent of sin in your life? Boy, that's hard. It's so hard to turn away from sin and to turn and walk as, as we're called to walk in righteousness. But it can be done and it must. Are you ready this morning to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? You can be washed in that blood that Paul spoke of. You can have the forgiveness of your sins, Colossians 1 and verse 14. But you need to respond. You can come to him now. Please do. While together we stand and while we sing.